That is funny, funny stuff. It reminds me when I was back in student ministry years and years ago, and we used to have this apparatus that we called the uh, hot chair. We called it the electric stool. You get the idea, kind of like the electric chair. What it was is it's, it wasn't going to kill anybody. It would just give a little bit of excitement to you. We, uh, you sat on this stool, and if you gave the right answer, there were no consequences. If you gave the wrong answer, then let me tell you, there was a little bit of a jolt and people would jump up. And a lot of times what I would do is I would just have people sit on that and then I would begin to discuss who we were as an organization, the trips that we were going to be taking in the future and just get them comfortable. And then I would even say some of the topics that we'll be looking at in the future are um, self-respect, peer pressure, and we're even going to talk about love, sex, and dating. And at that moment, I'd say, if anybody has a problem with sex, and as soon as I'd say that, boom, I'd hit the button, boom, the person would jump up, and I'd go, oh, Teddy or Lori, you have a problem with sex. Thank you for admitting that today. Of course, that would get a laugh. And in some ways, when we talk about what we're going to talk about today, it can bring a laugh. But in all seriousness, there is a warped perspective and view about sex in our society today. I don't think the way a lot of people look at it is the way God designed it at all. And that is what we're going to talk about today. That's our hot button as we continue our series. And today what I want to do is share several insights so all of us can maintain a healthy perspective about dating, relationships, and sex. And don't tune out on me right now at all. This is applicable to anyone who is listening to this. It will create a healthy discussion if you're single, if you're a mom and a dad, if you're a grandparent, if you're a teenager. Trust me that having a conversation in a healthy way about dating and marriage and sex is something that is multi-generational and is not discussed enough. What I'm going to do today is this, is just share from my heart. Not going to try to be highly theological, just absolutely wow you, just get to the basics because of what I've experienced as a student leader, as a pastor, and just being involved with people. So let me get started. Insight number one is this, God created relationships, marriage, and sex. In fact, in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, Genesis 1, 27 to 28 says this, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. What I love in this book of beginnings, in these first few chapters, when God created all the different elements of creation, he was delighted. But when he created man and woman, he said it was very, very good. So Marcia, if you're listening to this, when God created you, he 
you put a smile on his face. Maybe a Billy's listening to this right now. Billy, I want to tell you right now, God is pleased with what he made. Now, as a result of God creating relationships, God being one that wants to be in relationship with us, God doesn't leave us hanging just with that first book in the Bible, but God designed a guidebook, a manual for living for us to experience healthy relationships, marriage, and sex. Now, I'm going to refer to a verse in a second that is often referred to to show the authenticity and validity of the Bible, but it's so applicable for us today. It's 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, and it reads, all scripture is inspired by, go ahead, say that next word with me, God, and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Isn't that incredible that we have a place where we can go to find truth and also know when we're deviating? The word of God corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. There's times of preparation where we get equipped so that ultimately we do what God desires us to do and at the core of who we are, what we want to do. At the beginning of the pandemic, um, I was with an individual that was absolutely wigged out. Um, their, their spiritual emotional equilibrium was off in a big way. And when I got together with them because they were seeking help, I discovered that they were spending little time in God's word and a whole lot of time on social media. And so what I did, I encouraged them to flip that, get rid of social media, less time on social media, and more time in God's word. Well, just last weekend, I saw that individual again, and I want to tell you, as they were approaching me, there was an exuberance on their face. There was a joy when they spoke, and I said, obviously, you're doing a whole lot better than the last time we spoke. And this individual said, absolutely, I'm spending time in God's word. I'm going to church, and I'm involved in a group that is bringing me life. And that group of people uses the Bible as their base. And so when we talk about this subject that we're talking about today, and as we talk about more hot buttons, the reality is this, is we use the Bible as our base. It's the book we rely on. It is, in fact, the book that designs for us our boundaries, where we go and where we don't go. Now, with that being said, the Bible is very clear with another insight. There's a difference between love and lust. Love can't wait to give Lust can't wait to get. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, that in fact, love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. What's amazing about this is it gives us such an incredible imprint in our minds and in our heart, if we allow it to be so, of what it means to love someone. So we're not 
thinking of ourselves. We're not thinking of taking advantage of someone. We're not thinking of ourselves first. Think about all that we hear about with sex trafficking today. What is the base of that? The base of that is, in fact, lust. Lust alienates. Lust abandons. Lust leaves you empty where love keeps you full. Sex is not just a physical act. Otherwise, it could just be done with anyone. No, there's something deeper about sexual intimacy. Uh, it, it comes from a base of love. When we look at Joseph, the biological father of Jesus, Joseph loved his wife when he learned that she was pregnant, that God had put his design on Mary to bear Jesus. He didn't just look at his own interests. In fact, it tells us that he did not have physical intimacy with her until after Jesus was born. That, in fact, is an act of love. And when we talk about dating, there's an insight that we need to have in light of the background that I've just given. When dating, have high principles, God principles, God standards, God's way versus my way. Now, we discussed this last week, and we came to the conclusion that God, in his design of people, didn't want robots, but he gave us free will. Uh, wherever you're at right now, if you're in your bedroom right now, if you're in your family room, you're in your kitchen, you're listening to this in your car, would you just say right now, free will, FW, free will. And free will, the simple definition is this, is that we can say yes to God and we can say no to God. In essence, we can be wise or we can be foolish. Another phrase and concept from last week that is very applicable for us today is this. Jesus has proven himself trustworthy and now he asks you, you and me, to trust him in return. Uh, this goes against a little bit culture because 78% of individuals from the age of 18 to 29 say it's okay to live together. What's interesting is when I had the privilege of starting this church over 20 years ago, about 75% of the couples that I would meet with in premarital counseling, if they were living together or if there was sexual intimacy, they were willing to say yes to God rather than no to God. And that has flipped in the tenure that I've had the privilege of being in leadership at this church. Now only about 30 to 40% say we're going to do it in God's way. And the reason for this is, I believe, a lack of understanding of what God's word says. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. It is God's will. It is God's will, not my will, not someone else's will, that you should be sanctified, set apart, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, 
not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or a sister. By the way, I will be coming back to that. There's a word that describes that. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy set-apart life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit, the very God who gives you the power to not act like an animal. We are different than animals. We have the ability to make decisions. We have the ability to be sanctified, to be holy, to be set apart. Uh, I referenced that there was a phrase in that verse that it came from a root word, and the root word is defrauding. It means to turn someone on where it cannot righteously be fulfilled. So if you say, we're not going all the way, but we're getting probably more involved than we should, and it then cannot be fulfilled in the proper way, that is defrauding. And we have to say, is it going to be God's way or my way, and God, as it says, gives us the Holy Spirit to, in fact, live appropriately and according to God's plan. Don't circumvent the process. What do I mean by don't circumvent the process? We are spirit, soul, and body individuals. When, when we meet someone, our spirits are attracted to them. Uh, there's a chemistry, possibly. But it takes a while to begin to get to know this individual. It takes some time to find out what their desires are, their aspirations are, their dreams are, their needs are. And that's when uh, it becomes more of a soul, soulful, soulful, S-O-U-L-F-U-L, soulful experience. But that takes time. And then when we make a commitment to come together, the kind of like the um, finishing touch on that after commitment is coming together in an intimate way physically. Now let me illustrate it this way. How many of you out there like to bake? And I know some of you are nodding right now. Maybe one of you raised your hand. But... Uh, I'm not a big baker, but one thing I understand is this. I don't take the icing ingredients, put it in the pan, and then put the substance of the cake in the ingredients on top of the icing and bake it. That would be a hot mess. A hot mess. But that's exactly what we do in culture today. That's exactly what culture tells us we should do. Start with the physical and then get to know somebody because then maybe you'll get to know them more. No, 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 no. That is not according to God's plan. Here's another story. I meet with couples often and we have a process for individuals to get married. There's an application process. We find out a little bit about them. And inevitably, if a couple has questions about our guidelines to have the healthiest and the most mature and vibrant marriage, 
If they have questions, it's because they're living together or they're being sexually intimate. And when I meet with the couple, I share with them this. Uh, it's Christ is at the top of the triangle. The, the gentleman maybe is over here on the right side of the triangle. The, the woman, the female, is at this side of the triangle. And I say, before you try to get to know each other, just get closer to God, each of you, and in that process, you will in fact be getting closer to each other. And then I explained that more than anything, a man wants to be respected and a woman wants to be loved. And I say to the guy, do you love this woman that you're looking to marry? And he says, absolutely. What would you do for her? I'd do anything for her. Then the greatest way that you can show her that you love her is if you don't take advantage of her physically and have that be a priority, but have a priority of getting to know her, loving her at her deepest levels. And if you do that, she'll know that she is loved and she will respect you. And every single time this happens, I am not kidding, when I go through this, you'll see the facial expression primarily of the woman. Where there's relief, there's shock, and there's, that's what love is. Don't love me just because we can be physically intimate. Do you love me as a person? And so that's why I say to couples all the time, I say to couples all the time, keep it vertical and stay away from all of those private areas. My mom, godly woman, my mom, she gave me incredible advice. She led me in the path of walking with God as my dad did, is reading the scriptures. And my mom one time when we were talking about how to treat a woman and how to be on a date, she literally said to me, do you know I love you? Do you know I believe in you? Do you know that I would only share something with you if I felt led to tell you because I prayed about it? And I went, yes, yes, yes. And she looked right at me and she said, then keep it in your pants. And I want you to know on every date that I went on, all I heard was in my head, keep it in your pants, keep it in your pants, but it protected me. And I loved a mom who had the guts to have that kind of conversation with me. Have dating standards that are high. Don't compromise. Don't settle for second best because another insight is this. Sex is designed by God for marriage. Sex outside of the marriage relationship has always been a powerful, powerful force. But God's expression of sex is something to bring a man and a woman together because their spirits and their souls have been united. It's for, to bring clarity and purpose in a marriage. It, it's for procreation. It's for pleasure. And Hebrews 13.4 says this, Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer other passages, the fornicator, and all the sexually immoral. Giving in to sexual temptation always hurts someone. It hurts families. It hurts families when there's been promiscuity that's taken place. There's been liberties that should have not been granted. And all of a sudden, families are talking about, should we have an abortion? Should we not have an abortion? 
Sexual temptation always hurts individuals. Someone gets hurt at the core of their being, at their soul. And then the truth is, there can be disease, like sexually transmitted disease, where there's been sexual promiscuity. Businesses have been derailed and had to literally realign themselves. And unfortunately, we read about it all too often about churches, individuals and leadership have crossed the line that they should have never crossed. They contradicted what they've preached. And I'm confident to tell you that the leadership of this church is living pure, holy lives. Oh yes, sexual freedom and just living the way we want hurts a lot of people and a lot of organizations and a lot of individuals and families, but do you know who it hurts the most? God. Have you ever thought about that? God. Because it's contrary to his plan. Because we're choosing our desires over God's desires. That's why Paul, to the Corinthian church, because of what was taking place in Corinth, there was literally... Um, a temple that was the, uh, that worshipped the love goddess, and this love goddess, it was thought that if there was sexual promiscuity as part of worship, that was the right thing to do. Doesn't that sound in some ways like our culture today? If it feels good, do it. Just live your own way. And Paul exhorted that church in this way in 1 Corinthians, and he said, flee from all sexual immorality. Don't fondle it. Don't play with it. Don't look at it. Run. Run like individuals that we've learned about in Scripture, like another guy by the name of Joseph in the Bible, not the biological father of Jesus, but another Joseph in Genesis. You can read about that in the book of beginnings. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price when Jesus died on the cross. Therefore, honor, respect God with your bodies. I want to tell you, there's, there's couples that are doing this. I have the privilege in the next few months of literally having the privilege of being the, the, the officiant at weddings where couples have chosen to do it God's way. Some of those couples maybe have been sexually active in the past or were living together. And when we got together and spoke about honoring God and putting Christ at the top and in that triangle of working to be more like Christ, they've moved out, they've moved in with parents. Another exciting story to tell is I've had couples who have gotten divorced and then they were going to get remarried and we had this same talk about staying sexually pure even though they've been married and these couples have gone back and apologized to their children 
for mistakes that they've made in the past, for transgressions and trespasses that have been in their life, and there's been a healthier relationship in their family. Another what is exciting about fleeing youthful lust is guys getting uh, filters on their devices. It's a proven fact. It's a statistical fact. Counselors will tell us that married couples have a higher level of trust than those that live together. Why is that? Because that's the way God designed us. That's the way God wants it to be. God wants to have a, a meaningful, intimate relationship with us, and he wants those of us who are married to have that same type of deep intimacy because of him, the triangle again. So let me wrap up and make this practical. Will you allow God to change the way you think? Will you say it's going to be more God's way than my way? Philippians 4.8 says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, and by the way, this is assuming that people are following Jesus, walking with Jesus, living like Jesus, and for those of you who don't know Jesus, there will be unbelievable uh, words of wisdom and knowledge in what has been said, but the first step is to become a follower of Jesus, and one final thing he says is fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I think of a young man who uh, about two months ago made it known to me that he struggles with pornography and he said, I don't want to live my life this way anymore. He wanted to live like Philippians 4.8. And I'm happy to tell you that even as I say this today, uh, because of filters he's put on his phone, lifestyle changes that he's made with reading God's word, getting up and sleeping with a better rhythm, being in an accountability group, this young man has been porn free for over 50 days. Isn't that, you can clap at that. I don't even care where you're at right now. You can clap. Here's another practical uh, application to what we've been talking about with these insights. Less time on social media and more time face-to-face. -face. Let me illustrate it with some scripture. Romans 12 says this. Just don't pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. Uh, I know during this pandemic that people have used the quote that the, that the church is not a building. Trust me, what we have seen during this pandemic is that when people are not connected face-to-face -face with other people, they feel isolated, they feel alone, they feel perplexed. We need to be with people. And what I mean by that is, is if you're in a restaurant with your family, there should be no electronic devices being used at all. It absolutely makes me want to barf when there's children and parents, nobody's talking, and they're on their electronic devices. Oh, yes, use your electronic devices for, for your betterment, 
not for your demise. Here, here's another one for you. Practical. Bring the fun into your marriage. If you're not dating weekly, date your mate weekly. And get out of the rut you're in. And for all of the guys who are sitting here and going, that's just the way I am, bring some excitement into your marriage. Shay, who you know, co-lead pastors this church with me, uh, he and his wife do some crazy things on dates. Uh, uh, I learned through some other people that on Andrea's birthday, they went and play darts. Now, if I told my wife that we were going to play darts, she'd say, uh, you can go move someplace else. But the truth is this, Andrea likes to play darts, so she took her to go play darts. Whatever your partner, whatever your mate enjoys doing, go and do it. And if you haven't done it in a long time, then start doing it now. Bring the fun back. Now, in light of everything that I've said, I have to believe that God has been prompting you. God has been nudging you. There's been something where maybe you've said, I've blown it. So confess. If any man or woman conceals a sin, they will not prosper, but he that confesses it will find mercy. God will give you mercy. Where you know you've sinned, ask for forgiveness. And if you've sinned against somebody else, ask for forgiveness. James 5.16 says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Notice, you just don't pray, you confess so you can be healed emotionally, relationally, psychologically. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful, wonderful results. This passage of scripture reminds me of an individual that I met many years ago on a speaking engagement. Uh, a young lady came up to me and she wanted to talk. I made sure that we were in a setting where we were private, but we could still be viewed by others. Nobody was going to hear us talk. And she was a rather large girl and she wanted to talk to me about losing weight. And I knew that that was an issue, but something in my spirit told me that there was something deeper. And as she continued to talk, that was evident because she let me know that she had been uh, sexually permissive with a number of guys. And I asked her, had you, have you ever confessed that to God? And she said, over and over, and I don't understand why I'm not experiencing relief. And I referred her to James 5.16 and said, uh, have you confessed what God now has prompted you as wrong? Have you confessed that as wrong to the guys that you were involved with? And she said, absolutely not. And I said, I don't think that you're going to experience the freedom you desire unless you do that. Now, understand, you may not be able to get a hold of every guy. You may not know where they're at. But if there are any guys that you can get a hold of with a phone call, you can get a hold of with email or mail, just get a hold of them. And by the way, it doesn't have to be a long discussion. You're not doing this to get a response from them. You're doing this to clear your own conscience to say, 
and to let them know that when, when you, you and these guys were together, you want them to know that, in fact, you took advantage of them, they took advantage of you, and for that, you just want to ask for their forgiveness. And she looked at me like, I don't know if I can do that, but she got back with me a couple uh, months later, and she said, I've gotten a hold of the individuals that I can get a hold of, and I feel some relief. I feel some freedom. Because she was doing it God's way. She was saying yes to God rather than no to God. And then she said, I'd like to work on my weight, but I, I know I need to go to Weight Watchers, but she didn't have the money. So my wife and I literally paid for her to go wait, to Weight Watchers. She lost over 60 pounds, and she's a healthy individual spiritually and physically because she confessed her wrongs to God, and she confessed her wrongs to people, and then she began to work on her life. That's what God wants for you. God gives us an incredible manual of how to look at relationships, marriage, dating, and sex. Will you say yes to him and no to some of your own desires, yes to Christ, and no to culture? And I guarantee you, you'll be a different person.